Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Well, thank you so much for having me come here tonight to be with you at this great Pentecostal church in Stratford. It's a real blessing to be here. As Pastor Chad mentioned, my name is Tim Gibb, and I'm pastoring a church in Sarnia. But you know, way back in the 90s, I was a youth pastor in Woodstock, Ontario, just up the road. And many a time, my uh, wife, and then later on, we had a little boy, and uh, we'd come up to Stratford to go around your downtown area and go down to the park and all that. So we really enjoyed uh, your community. We don't do it as much because you're a little bit out of the way for us now, but Stratford is a beautiful community. I want to honor Pastor uh, Charlie and his dear wife, and we've known of this church for many years and the great blessing they've been to this community. And to see the church moving forward with Pastor Chad and Melissa is a great blessing. And I'm looking forward to getting to know them more in the days to come. And we had Melissa one time over to our church for a women's conference. And what a gifted worship leader she is. Amen. So you are very blessed with Pastor Chad and Pastor Melissa. And uh, just really honor, honor them today. And uh, I pastor, as I said, in, in Sarnia, another Bethel. Amen. Just how many know Bethel's just Bethel's rock? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Bethel Church in Sarnia. And uh, we're a church very much like you. And, and uh, we love the presence of God. And, and uh, we've just had a revival culture for, for years, really. Right from the time, uh, even before the time I came to the church, there was a good revival spirit. And we've just seen some beautiful things happen in the presence of God. Way back in 2006, we had a very special time of revival. Can you believe it? We had church. Now fasten your seatbelts on this one. We had church every night for 20 weeks. Can you imagine that? It was not a church growth strategy. (laughs) It was not a uh, strategic plan. In fact, in one service, I did have an evangelist on a Wednesday night, and things were really happening in our church, and there was just a real season of prayer, and the prophetic word had come forward that God wanted to do something that built the faith of people, and we were just seeing some beautiful times in the presence of God, and uh, a friend of mine said, you should have this evangelist come in, and we had him for, I didn't really know him, I kind of checked him out, his website, and called him and talked with him, and I thought, all right, I guess he's safe, pastors understand this, and I thought, well, we'll just do one night. He said, I can come for two nights, I said, let's just do one night, how's that? We'll, we'll give it a try one night, and in that service, and I believe and honor the gift of the evangelist, and he really blessed us, but in that service on a Wednesday night, it kind of got us started. Uh, two miracles took place. I think there was others, but two notable ones. One, a man in our church, I didn't even know this, but he had been totally deaf his whole life in one year. And uh, the power of God came in that service, and God opened his ear, and we brought him up on the platform, and he called his wife, who wasn't in the service, using his cell phone, talking to her, hearing her with the ear that was once deaf. How many know that's kind of exciting? 
And then there was a boy and his parents, they actually went to another church in our community, but they came for the special meeting. And uh, he was 10 years of age, attended the Christian school, and uh, he was legally blind. He wore these very thick, the old days used to call them Coke bottle glasses. I don't think that's such a nice thing to say, but that was the description they used. And he had these glasses, and, uh, but he was legally blind, and even with those glasses had, had troubles. And at that time, we had banners on the walls of our church. Uh, we don't have them anymore, but in the day we did, we had banners that said, Lamb, uh, Lion of Judah, Lamb of God, King of Kings. And the power of God came on this little boy, 10 years of age, and he opened up his eyes miraculously. We brought him on the platform and took off those glasses, and he began to read the banners. Praise God. Isn't that beautiful? And uh, I'm telling you, the place just went crazy. And uh, so that night, you know, how many know when the blind see and the deaf hear, that's a good service? <laughs> Amen. And so I just said, hey, my evangelist is already here. He said he can go another night. Let's go another night. And so we went Thursday night, more miracles happened. Friday night, we went again, more miracles. Saturday night, more miracles. And then my evangelist said, you know, Pastor, I mean, something's happening here. I love to stay, but I've got a commitment at another place on Sunday, and I, I just can't break that. And, you know, so I said, no problem. And, you know, Sunday came, and, man, it was still happening. It wasn't based on an evangelist. It was based on the presence in the church. And, uh, and I remember Sunday afternoon just thinking, what am I going to do with this, you know? And, uh, and I was just praying. I really felt the Lord say to me, go again another night, like Monday night. We were going to have church that night because we have Sunday night church. But go again Monday night. I said, but Lord, I've got no evangelist. I've got no gospel quartet, you know. I got no, <laughs> I've got, who's going to come Monday night? Who's going to come on a Monday night? And, I, and the Lord said to me, the hungry, the desperate, and the curious are going to come. And so I stood up on Sunday night, and again, Sunday night, man, it was moving. And I said, you know what? We're just going to come again Monday night and see what God has for us. Well, that just turned into 20 weeks of every night. And literally every night, it was like, let's just come again to the next night. We kind of got into a rhythm. And some really neat things happened. We saw so many miracles, saw salvations. These young people are going to like this story, and it's a true one. About 30 days in, so our young people are getting so touched by the power of God. We had young people coming in that had never been to church before. And uh, they would get hit by the power of God. Now, this may mess up some of your theology, but they'd get touched by the power of God. Pastor Chad, like we didn't even know who these young people were, never even been to church. We discovered that. The power of the Holy Spirit would hit them. They would fall under the power, shaking, gushing forth in tongues. I mean, just ripping in tongues, if I could put it that way. <laughs> And, uh, and, and, and we, we didn't know who they were, but we were praying over them. And, and then we would kind of, you know, they'd kind of come around and we'd get them, collect them. And, and we'd say, you know, God bless you. And so, where are you from? What church do you go to? Well, I don't go to a church. Well, when did you ask Jesus in your heart? I never did. When did you get saved? What is saved? I don't know. What are you talking about? And then we would lead them in a sinner's prayer after they just spoke in tongues. Now you say, that doesn't even make sense. You can't speak in tongues. Hey, the Bible never gave us a set sinner's prayer. The Bible just says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I just believe that God was saving them because salvation is not just believing in the head, some sort of doctrinal thing. It's an experience with God where God transforms you out of darkness into light. 
And uh, I believe these kids were getting saved by the power of God. And then we just, you know, made sure we sealed the deal kind of thing, made a sinner's prayer and, and all that. So we had young people just really being touched. And we had our young people were seeing miracles, some for the first time. And about 30 days into this, every night, which was just a crazy thing, but beautiful time, uh, I get a call from the local high school principal from St. Clair High School in Sarnia, Ontario. Are you Reverend Gibb? <laughs> I'm like, who's asking? <laughs> well, I'm so-and-so, the principal. He says, I've got a problem. I'm like, okay, sir, what's that? He says, I'm looking out my window right now, and I got 150 students holding a healing service on the lawn of our school. I'm not making this up. And uh, so what had happened was some of the students were getting so full of God and seeing miracles, they were just going up to their friends and, can I pray? And you know how there's a fight in a schoolyard that attracts a crowd? In fact, we had an older lady in our church that lived by St. Clara High School, and she was driving with her husband, and she told me later, she said to her husband, look, Don, there must be a fight in the schoolyard. And she looked closer. As they got closer, she saw some of our students with their hands in the air praying over these students, and it attracted a crowd. Well, the principal, he wasn't happy at all about this. And uh, so he went out there. And this is how God can advertise a revival, by the way. Because when this was happening, I just felt this is so precious. I don't want to do anything to like self-promote or make it anything about us or about man. Like I just want to be really careful about it. So I never put any advertising out or anything. But, but how God can promote his own revival... Um, what happened was the principal, three of the students were from another school, so he kicked them off the property, and one of them from his school, who were the kind of the four or five guys that were leading this, he actually suspended him for this. Well, the front page of the Sarnia Observer, the next day, I should have brought a copy of it, but right on the front page, Sarnia Observer, Faith Healer Sent Home. That was the headline. The next, uh, the whole front page was all articles about this and then about our church, school halls buzzing over prayer, revival breaks out at Bethel. The whole front page was about this. Well, next thing you know, the local radio wants to do a talk, talk with me that morning and, and uh, you know, different things. And there was such a pressure against this principal for suspending this young man for praying that the next day he put him back in school. Well, the next day in the Sarnia Observer, front page, faith healer back in class. <laughs> but you know what I didn't know? And I just never thought of it. I know about news service wires. I never thought of this. But there's newspapers all over the country that are looking for stories. And they go on something called the news service wire. And, and if they've got space in their newspaper, they'll pick up a story from somewhere. And within a couple days, Vancouver is calling, Winnipeg is calling, uh, 100 Huntley Street came and did a story on us. Charisma Magazine showed up at our door. I had an evangelist say to me, how did you get in Charisma Magazine? He said, I've been trying for 10 years for them to do a story on my ministry. I said, I never tried. The Lord just did it. And then even CBN Newswatch, 700 Club ran, and then all of a sudden we had people coming from 15 states, 7 provinces. It was a beautiful time. And uh, we had a lot of Christian reform young people being touched by the power of God. And uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Christian reform church, beautiful people. And, uh, we, you know, love, love our brothers and sisters in Christ. But so many of them were being touched by God. So uh, this is a couple months in. I get a call from one of the Christian reform pastors. In Sarnia, we have three Christian reform churches. So there's the first Christian reform. That's the name of it. Then there's second Christian reform. And then there is... No, Redeemer. What are you guys thinking? 
Redeemer Christian Reform. <laughs> and uh, one of the pastors called me and said, Pastor Gibb, we would like to have a meeting with you. And I thought, oh no, here we go. You know, what's, what's this going to be? And the three pastors came to see me in my office and they said to me, Pastor Charlie, you're going to love this. They said to me, Pastor Tim, our young people are being touched by this revival and our churches are being touched. We've never seen anything like this. And to be honest with you, we don't know what to do with it. So we were talking, we decided that we're going to have a special night and we're going to invite all three of our churches to come to one of our churches. It came, what happened at the Second Reformed Christian Church. And we want to invite you to have a special night to teach our people about the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Come on, give God praise for that. So that was a beautiful season, and I honor that season, but I'm thankful I'm not living in the past. As wonderful as 2006 was, there is still a revival culture in our church, and we are seeing tremendous miracles. I want to encourage you with this. Whenever you see any type of answer to prayer, even if it's in the smallest things, celebrate it, honor it, contend for it, because they will increase and they are indicators of what God wants to do in greater measure. Are you understanding me? So I don't believe really there's any small miracles. We call them that. Every miracle is a miracle. But you celebrate it, honor it, believe God for it. And, and it's an indicator that what God wants to do in greater measure. Praise God. And in the last couple of years, we've been seeing some major miracles happening in our church. Just a year ago, we had a lady that comes to our church, she still does, because she's been healed, but 12 years totally blind because of diabetes. How many know diabetes is a terrible thing? I know probably some people here suffer with it. Thank God through medication and insulin, you can manage it, and, and a lot of people do well in life, even with diabetes, but if, if it gets away on you, how many know you're in big trouble? And so this dear lady, diabetes robbed her vision. For 12 years, 12 years, totally blind. She would come to our church with her walking cane. When I would speak to her, her name is Andrea Anderson. You know, her eyes would be open, but there was no vision. So her eyes are looking this way. She can't see anything. Never looking me right in the eyes. There's no vision. She can't see. All the aids from the Canadian Blind Association she had in her home. Special things to help her in this condition of blindness. But a year ago in May, hallelujah, in a service, the power of God came on her and instantly her eyes were opened. I'm telling you, a blind woman saw. I was right there. Praise God. And I mean, we just rejoiced. The next day she came to church, we had special meetings happening and uh, she walked in and I could tell immediately because she didn't have her cane. Her cane is actually in my office to this day. I almost put it away and my wife said, what are you doing? Keep it there. Amen. It's a testimony of what Christ has done. And um, so she came into the, into the lobby and, and I saw her. And as soon as I saw her, Andrea, how are you doing? And she's looking at me right in the eyes. I knew immediately, I mean, the power of God. She says, oh, Pastor Tim, I can see. I can see as I drove over here, I could see the, the leaves and the trees and, and all the colors. And she said, I can't believe it. I can see. I can see. Now, as you get to know me, you know I like to have a little bit of fun. And so I said to her, oh, Andre, isn't that wonderful? How do I look? <laughs> She's a little bit of an older lady, so it was okay. <laughs> and she said, oh, pastor, 
you're gorgeous. And I said, Andrea, truly the Lord has fully restored your vision. Amen. This is truly a full miracle of God that you have received. It's evident. Wow. A few minutes later, I caught my son, who's now 20 years of age, and I said, hey, Caden, Andrea says I'm gorgeous. And Caden, without even missing a beat, he said, you better pray a second time. <laughs> you better pray a second time. We had a young girl uh, come into our, our service, Stephanie. She actually sent me an email just, just a few months ago. You know, there's a lot of hurting people in our community. And I get this email from this young girl, just in her early 20s. She says, Pastor Tim, I've never been to your church. I've heard about it. I've never been. I'm so depressed. I'm struggling with suicidal thoughts. I, I don't know what to do. Would it be okay if I came to one of your services? She didn't know she could just come. Of course, immediately I responded, absolutely. Got her connected with someone. She came in the service. She gave her heart to the Lord. She was starting to be mentored, discipled. And within a few weeks, what we didn't know is that two years of age, she's now in her 20s, but two years of age, she had some kind of cancer. And I don't know what happened with the cancer or the treatment or whatever, but it left her totally deaf in one ear, totally deaf. I didn't know this when we met her. It was never even a thought to her, but she got saved. And a few weeks later, in worship, Melissa, no evangelist prayed over her. Nobody even laid hands or anything. In the worship of God, as we were singing, like we were singing tonight, I have a few friends here with me tonight. They know everything I'm saying is 100% true. All of a sudden, pop, her ear pops open. Fully restored, a miracle right in the worship. It was so powerful that two of her friends who knew that she was deaf in that ear came and gave their hearts to the Lord and all three of them in a service just a little while ago were water baptized because of the miracle that happened. Isn't that beautiful? I want to ask, uh, I, brought, I brought a couple gentlemen. I'm going to ask one of them if they'd come. His name's Paul Pifard. Paul's a real estate agent in our, in our area. Comes to our church, beautiful brother. And God did something in his life, a major miracle. I want him to share, amen, as a living testimony. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here tonight to share the goodness of God. Hey, how do we overcome? By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And do you know that in the presence of God is everything we need for life and for godliness. And the presence of God is the key. I sense the wonderful presence of God during the worship time to here today. And the power of God is present for healing. I want to tell you a story, you know, and it's just, I still can hardly believe it because God is so good. But if God doesn't change from yesterday to today to tomorrow, what he's done for me, he can do for you. And I'm going to share how God is. Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Do you want a touch from God tonight? Then you're going to get it. Be it done to you according to your faith. In 2010, my wife had died of 38 years. She was very sick and I was caregiver and I looked after her and I was anxious to get remarried and to to come alongside someone the Lord sent me this wonderful Italian woman she's high-spirited she's born again and she likes to tell me what to do but that's like what most women are anyway is that when you oh she's not here so I can get away with that <laughs> like, 
all I know is that six months into our marriage, we were actually ministering at a, a First Nations Reserve, and we're thinking we're serving God, and we're helping the local pastor there, and you know, and all of a sudden, I buckled over in pain like I've never had before. Rush me to the emergency room in the hospital, and I'm in pain, and I'm thinking, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. And the first thing that came to my mind was the scripture I learned when I first got saved, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. And so I started doing it on the gurney, in pain, where they're putting in my, so I'm not so in much in pain. And all I know is that that was the beginning of a journey how many here need a touch from God? How many have travailed and pressed in and haven't got an answer yet? I'm going to encourage you, God isn't always a microwave God. Sometimes he has a better plan and wants to take you on a journey of faith and discovery. And that's what he did in my life. And that's why I'm here, to share with you the goodness of God and for you to get a touch from God as well. They diagnosed a huge tumor between my bladder and my kidney, and it was large, and they took it out. And we're pressed in, we're on Facebook, or I'm going for a prayer every time there is, you know, like, Lord, touch me, and all I'm seeking is a healing from God. I want God to touch my life. And we get to the point where the cancer gets worse. My wife writes out all the promises of God, all the healing promises. We're declaring them, Lord, heal me, Lord, heal me, Lord, heal me. And everybody's praying to that effect. As a matter of fact, we'd have special services. I go to the pastor. I ask him to pray for me, the prayer meetings, everything for healing. And then God gave me a scripture during a time of special prayer and services in 2015 of January. Sometimes at the beginning of the year, churches will have special times to press in with the Lord for the year and for your life and so on. I had a couple surgeries already. I had some tumors removed from my bladder. And it wasn't getting better. I was getting a little discouraged. Do you know what I mean? You've been pressing in for a touch, for a restoration, for a financial blessing, for healing. And you're getting a little discouraged. And then the Lord gave us a word during this special time. And guess what the word is from? Second Chronicles 20. That you heard Pastor Melissa speak today. And the main thing out of that word I just want to share you with you quickly is when we got down to Second Chronicles 20 verse 12, it says, we do not know what to do but our eyes are upon you. The eyes of your heart. And this was a change. Because my eyes were on a healing. My eyes were getting the healing from God. Every minister, every pastor, every prayer partner, I would say, pray for God to heal me. And God was waiting for me to put my eyes and heart on him. Seek the healer, then the healing. Seek the giver, then the gift. God wants a relationship, an intimate relationship. Did he not create us to be in his image? Does that mean God then has feelings and emotions and desires and hopes and joys? Yes, he does. And he wanted to connect with me in that way, to engage, as Jean-Luc would say, engage. But that's what we got to do is engage with the Lord. And when the moment I stop seeking healing and to seek the healer, things changed. 
I got a peace that passes all understanding. It didn't matter whether I got a healing or not anymore. I was just so enthralled to be in his presence. And then what happens? I go back for more checkups. And the doctor puts me on the operating table. I'm not put out. And he puts a camera inside me into my bladder to see what's happening. And then he turned the monitor to me and he said, Paul, I got some bad news. And I looked at the monitor lying there. He says, you have 25, and he counted them, large, huge, aggressive tumors in your bladder. And they were red, and they were scary, and they were ugly, and I had fear come over my heart. Just as anyone would. But so did King Jehoshaphat. He had fear, but what did he do? He went to prayer. And then God gave him a word, like he gave me. He said, get into the presence and start praising God. And this is what we started to do. So the doctor said, this is very serious. You've got to have your bladder and your prostate removed. One month later, after we pressed him with prayer, after we sought the heart of God, and after we just said, Lord, whatever you want, I'm just so happy to be here in this intimate place with you that it doesn't matter if you heal me or not. And then I heard a whisper. Now ask me, Paul. Now ask me. When you have surrendered everything to God, you have his ear, you have his heart, and he has your heart in his hand. And so I asked, Lord, whatever you want. I didn't even ask for healing. I just said, I like, I like this place. It's okay. I want to stay here. So I'm scheduled for the operation. I'm thinking I'm going to wake up with a bag on the side of my hip. And I wake up in the recovery room in the ICU not knowing what's going to happen. The surgeon is right there. He's waiting for me to wake up. He's excited. He says, Paul, I got some really good news for you. And I said, well, what is it? He says, I went in with the camera to look first before the, the surgery, and all the tumors were shrunk up and floating around inside your bladder. And he scooped them right out. And I was healed of cancer. And all I know is that God is good. And that if he did it for me, he can do a miracle for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? Come on, give Paul one more hand clap tonight. A book has just come out. I'm not selling this tonight. I don't have no copies or anything, but it's called Miracle Invasion by Dean Murrell. He's written all of Jim Cimbala's books. He's written books for uh, David Green of Hobby Lobby and different, very popular Christian author called Miracle Invasion, True Stories of the Holy Spirit's Gifts that Works Today. And uh, our church is featured in this book. And Andrea's story of being healed of blindness, Paul's story of being healed of these 25 cancerous. That was now three years ago. Every six months you go back just to make sure. And just this week back again and uh, everything is good. Everything is clean. Everything is praise God. Amen. And so there's something that you might be interested in. You can find it online. If you have your Bibles tonight, I invite you to take them and turn to John's Gospel chapter 9. I want to have you turn to just a few scriptures. I want to start with one and toward the end of my message, a few other places we'll go to. But John chapter 9 and uh, And I want to just pick up on one verse here and use it as a launch pad for where I want to go here tonight. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. 
I thank you for your word. Your Holy Spirit always moves on the word. I thank you for your people here tonight, your precious people. And I pray, Lord, this is going to be a revelation for every person, a revelation for this house. It's going to move this house and position this house for greater glory. And I pray this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. John's Gospel, chapter 9, is the story of Jesus healing another blind person, a blind man. And you would know this story. Many of you would. And of course, the Pharisees question him. He says, I don't know anything about this man other than once I was blind, now I can see. But they're, they're questioning him. And this man, in verse 31, makes a statement. I want to read verse 31, John 9, verse 31. He says, now we know that God does not hear Sinners. Whoa. Say that again. God does not hear sinners. Now, we got a problem right off the bat if this be true because how many know we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? There's not one of us here that it not, we're not sinners. Of course, many of us have been saved by the grace of God, but all of us were sinners. And maybe we would question this man's theology, but I remind you what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, that says, The Lord's hand is not short and it cannot save, his ear is not heavy, it cannot hear, but your sins have separated you from God, your sins have hidden his face from you, watch this, so that he will not hear you. Hmm, we got a problem. But I'm glad that this man did not stop there. He said, we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, him he will hear. Hallelujah. Do we have worshipers in the house of God on this Sunday night in Stratford, Ontario? I know we do. Amen. Uh, as soon as you become a worshiper, now we're all sinners, but the moment, I don't care where you're from, what you've done, you might be in a drunken state, you might be in a, a drug state, you may be far in sin, but how many know the moment you say, Jesus, help me, Jesus, rescue me, you at that moment become a worshiper of God, God will resist the proud but how many know he gives grace to who the humble and the moment you say Jesus you become a worshiper of him and God's going to hear you hallelujah God is going to hear you amen how many know that God the Bible says the father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth you know what the father's heart is right now as he as we're here in Stratford he's looking for people I know you know this already but Jesus said it he said the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the father what in spirit that's by the Holy Spirit and in truth that means truth of God's word and without pre out of sincerity of your heart, without pretending, out of authenticity and sincerity, we worship God. And Jesus said, the Father is looking for worshipers. Hallelujah. Now, Paul, the apostle in 1 Corinthians, uh, he talks about worship and he says, I sing in the spirit and I sing with my understanding. Do you not say that. I pray in the spirit and I pray with understanding. Proverbs says, in all of thy getting, get understanding. So Paul was saying to us, I worship, I sing and I'll pray in the spirit, but I do it in a place of revelation of understanding. 
I want to suggest to you tonight that if you just do things without really having the revelation of why you are worshiping the way you worship, why you lift your hands and why you clap your hands and why you bring words with you and and why you do these things, if it just becomes sort of a culture or the thing to do, there really isn't power in it because the power comes when it comes from a place of understanding and revelation. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. And, and I believe we need to understand why we worship in certain ways, why we do certain things, because if it's just a routine, if it's just tradition, if it's just to fit in with a particular group of people, this is what we as Pentecostals do. I remember the first time, even as a young boy growing up in a Pentecostal church, and I lifted my hands in church, wow, I was so self-conscious. First of all, I thought everybody was looking at me, and I thought my hands swelled up like five times the size. I was very much aware, thinking everybody's looking at me. I was very nervous about it. But when revelation comes, hallelujah, there's a power that comes in it. So tonight, for a few minutes, I want to share some things about worship that I believe is going to be a blessing to you and blessing to this church. And the book of Hosea, chapter 14, I'll have you turn to a few verses. Some of these you're just going to have to trust me on or write them down, look at them later. The book of Hosea, chapter 14, verse 2, the prophet says, When you come into the presence of God, bring words with you. Bring words with you. Hallelujah. When you came tonight, what did you bring with you? I see some of you, most of you got your cell phone with you. Or you brought your Bible with you, amen. Or you got your purse with you. Or you got a bottle of water with you. You brought some things. Can I ask you a question tonight? Did you bring some words with you to honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Did you bring some words with you to honor the presence of the Holy Spirit? Amen. When the song stops, that's not necessarily time that worship stops. Amen. You're still to open up your mouth and bring words with you. I thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. Hosea says, bring words with you and say, Lord, receive us graciously. We will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Now, this is Old Testament times. We know in the Old Testament, the sacrificial system was so important and it pointed to Jesus Christ. They would bring the lamb or the bull and the different sacrifices for a covering of sin in a a, way to, for what was to come through Jesus Christ, he would be the Lamb of God, and he would then permanently, amen, not just cover our sin, but eliminate sin. He was the final sacrifice. And so the sacrificial system in the Old Testament was so important. But Hosea says, amen, when you bring words, it's pleasing to God like these sacrifices. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says, we're to bring into the sanctuary the sacrifice of praise. That is what? The fruit of our lips, giving praise to God. Bring words with you. Can we just have a praise break right now for just a moment? And can you just offer a couple words of praise right now just from your own heart? Lord, I love you. I worship you. I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise in this house. I honor you, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there a hallelujah in you he's not heard yet? Amen. Hallelujah. Bring words with you. 
Hallelujah. Psalm 69, verse 31, I will praise the name of God with song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Again, this is Old Testament. This shall please the Lord better than an ox or bull which has horns and hooves. Wow. Again, that's part of the sacrificial system that was so important, pointing to Jesus Christ. But even here in the old dispensation, in the old covenant, the psalmist says, when you bring a song into the house of God, when you bring words of thanksgiving, this pleases the Lord just as much as an ox that would have been slaughtered, which is a type of Jesus Christ that was to come. How many are receiving this? Hallelujah. I'm telling you, one of the greatest ways to bring revival into your house is to get people singing. Not sinning, singing. Amen. Singing. We all know the scripture, God inhabits, what? The praises of his people. Do you know the Hebrew word for praises there is the Hebrew word tehillah? Not tequila. That's a different spirit. Amen. <laughs> but tequila, it means the singing of his people. What did Paul say in Ephesians chapter 5? He said, understand what the will of God is, that you not be drunk with tequila, amen, but rather you be filled with the spirit. How? Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Are you in a situation you need the presence of God? Just begin to sing. Just begin to sing. And as you do, amen, even if you can't sing great tune, God understands, amen, and he'll bring his presence to you. Hallelujah. Bring words with you. What about the lifting of our hands? Genesis 14 verse 22 talks about the lifting of the hands as in taking an oath. Abraham, when he came in covenant with Almighty God, amen, when Abraham, at the moment that God was cutting a covenant with Abraham, Abraham stood in a pool of blood with animals that were cut as God was saying to Abraham, Abraham, I swear to you, I promise to you, my, my covenant is faithful to you, I will never forsake you. My promise that you and Sarah will have a son, it shall be. And Abraham lifted his hands to the Lord as a sign of covenant. And he said, oh God, you are the God of heaven and earth. You are the Lord God, possessor of heaven and earth. In other words, God, you're my God. I'm in covenant with you. See, lifting of the hands, it's not just a Pentecostal thing or a charismatic thing. It's a Bible thing. Amen. It's a Bible thing. And what you are doing when you lift your hands is you are saying, I am in covenant with almighty God. How many tonight in this place will say, lifting your hands, say, I'm in covenant through Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm in covenant with almighty God. Do you know that God lifts his hands over you? The book of Ezekiel, chapter 20, verse 5, it, God says, with uplifted hands. God says, I lift my hands and I say unto my people, I am your God. Hallelujah. Can you picture that? I believe as you're lifting your hands this night, as you've lifted your hands, amen, you may not realize it, but revelation's coming tonight. When you lift your hands, it's a sign. You are confessing Jesus Christ before men. Hallelujah. And you are saying, I am in covenant with almighty God. And as you're doing that, God is lifting his hands over you. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, lifting the hands is not just about covenant. Now we're going to take this a little deeper. It's also a weapon in spiritual battle. 
Now, the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. How many know that's true? In the natural mind, this may not make any sense, but I'll prove it to you scripturally and, and spiritually how when you lift your hands, you see, you need to understand that there's two realms. There's the earth realm and there's the heavenly realm. And when we do, do certain things in accordance with the spirit of God and the will of God, the word of God, which is the will of God, it affects things in the spirit realm. Are you with me tonight? Amen. I want to say that again. When you do certain things, in worship, amen, like clap your hands and lift your hands or shout unto God with the voice of triumph when it's in tune with the Holy Spirit and the word of God, which is the will of God, you may not realize it, but I promise you, you are affecting things in the spirit realm that in turn changes things back in this natural realm. Let me prove it to you. There's a story in Exodus chapter 17. Moses, leading the children of Israel, all of a sudden they come under attack from the Amalekites. And the Bible says that the Amalekites, the enemy, was prevailing against the people of God. Is that not right? And Moses saw this happening and he went up on a mountain. How many know this story? He went up on a mountain and he prayed to God and he lifted his hands. And the moment he lifted his hands, there was a noticeable change. I'm talking about a physical battle now that was going on. There was a noticeable change. All of a sudden, Israel now began to prevail against the Amalekites. You know the story. And Moses' hands grew weary and began to come down. Isn't that right? And he noticed something that when his hands came down, again, there was a turn, not for the good, but for the bad, because the Amalekites now started prevailing against the Israelites. Now, Moses had a few good assistant pastors, thank God for good ministry staff, a man named Aaron and a man named Hur. Amen. And they went up on the mountain. They noticed this as well. And what did they do? They lifted up Moses' hands. And as long as Moses' hands were lifted up high, the people of God not only prevailed, they won a great victory that day. Isn't that amazing? That a physical battle changed because one man with the assistance of a couple others coming in agreement changed the circumstance of a physical battle just by lifting your hands. I want to say it again. When you do something, amen, in this natural realm that's in line with the spirit of God and the word of God, it affects things in the spirit realm that in turn changes things back in this natural realm. Derek Prince, a popular Bible teacher back, back in the day, wrote a book, wrote several books, great Bible teacher. He talks about the time before his conversion that, that he would, he was into Eastern religions, he was into meditation, he would do yoga. Now, I just want to, I don't want to get anybody in trouble here or anything, I just want to say, I don't think there's anything wrong with stretching exercises. I believe it can do the body good, but there is a place where it crosses a line, especially when it involves certain positioning or of the body in response to certain Eastern religions and mnemonic things. And Derek Price's testimony was he noticed because it crossed over from just simple stretching exercises into contacting what he called his spirit guide. And he would get into meditation and open up his mind. You know, Christian meditation is not just opening up your mind to anything. 
That's not Christian meditation. You gotta be careful. If you open your mind too far, your brains will fall out. How many know that's true? Christian meditation is to take the word of God and to really think about it. But he wouldn't do that. He'd open his mind to whatever entity and try to make contact with his spirit body. And he said he noticed that the spiritual forces of darkness would get stronger based on the certain physical posturing of his physical body. And I began to think, and I thought, well, if that's true in the demonic realm, how much more true is it, could it be, in the spirit realm? Amen. If a man can do certain things with his body and attract demon spirits, how about us who've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, cleansed by Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, when we lift up holy hands or clap holy hands, we are releasing angelic powers to work on our behalf. Anybody with me in this house tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. you got to believe this tonight. Hallelujah. We have to get a revelation. So when the pastor says, oh, come on, people, the presence of God is here. Clap your hands, all you people, shouting to God. We're not just like giving a little golf clap. Okay, the pastor said clap, clap our hands. What time is this now? You know, no, we're doing it with revelation. When I'm clapping my hands, I believe that demonic forces, amen, are trembling. All of hell is trembling. When I shout unto God, amen, it's affecting things in the spirit realm. That's in turn turning things back around in the natural realm. Let me give you another example. Second Kings chapter 13. There's a king named Joash. He was in trouble. Syria, he gets word Syria is coming against him. And they're about to destroy him. And he calls for the man of God, the prophet Elisha. What does Elisha say to him? He says, King Joash, he says, get a bow and some arrows. That's not true. This is in your Bible. Get a bow and some arrows. And I want you to take that bow and arrow. I want you to open the window. And I want you to shoot an arrow out that window. And as you do, declare the Lord's deliverance for his people. Isn't this a crazy story? I just love the Bible. It's a crazy stories and oh, crazy good, you know, in the Bible. And so this king, he does this. He gets a bow and some arrows. He takes one of those arrows, puts it in the bow, opens the window, and he shoots, and he says, the Lord's deliverance. All of a sudden, he gets word, hey, the battle is turning. The people of God are beginning to prevail against Syria. And Elisha says, quick now, you'll utterly destroy your enemy. Quick, grab these arrows and strike the ground. What does Elisha, what does King Joash do? One, two, three, and he stopped. He didn't have the revelation. He did it half-heartedly. He didn't do it with all his might. He didn't do it under the Lord. He didn't have full sincerity of heart, whatever things. He didn't do it with passion. And how many know the man of God got angry with him? The prophet got angry and he said, if you would have only hit the ground five or six times with authority and with passion and with zeal, amen, and with revelation, you would have utterly destroyed your adversary. But because you did it half-heartedly, because you didn't do it in spirit and in truth, you're going to have to deal with Syria all the days of your life. And that's exactly what happened. How many know we got to get a revelation of what God can do? Still have your Bibles with you? Turn over to the book of Isaiah. Can we go a little bit deeper? Give me a few more minutes. Hallelujah. I don't hear any amens there. <laughs> Amen. I only got one night with you. Amen. I'm going to get a, give it all, and then I'm going to run. Amen. 
Isaiah chapter 30. I want, I want you to turn to three scripture verses. We'll end this. Isaiah 30, verse 29, 32. It says, and you will sing as on the night you celebrate a holy festival. Your hearts will rejoice as when people go up with flutes to the mountain of the Lord, to the rock of Israel. I think we could, without doing injustice, say we go up rejoicing to the house of God. This says in verse 30, the Lord will cause men to hear his majestic voice and will make them see his arm coming down with raging anger and consuming fire with cloudbursts, thunderstorm, and hail. How many know that sounds like a mighty man of war that's coming? I mean, this is, God's coming like a storm. Verse 31, the voice of the Lord will shatter Assyria, that's the enemy, with his rod, he will strike them down. Now notice this, verse 32. Every stroke the Lord lays on them, that enemy, with his punishing rod, will be with tambourines and harps as he fights them in battle with blows of his arm. Are you seeing this? God says, I'm going to take my punishing rod up here. I didn't know a tambourine could do such damage. To be honest with you, you know, a harp is just a, a piano is just a harp turned sideways. Isn't that right? Amen. And so every time the piano is played or the keyboard is played, every time a tambourine, God says, every time I hear a tambourine down there, every time I hear rejoicing down there, every time I hear the sound of a, of a trumpet or, or a harp down there, I'm going to take my punishing rod and I'm going to strike the enemy on your behalf. I want to say it one more time in this house, amen, when you do things in the natural realm, that's in line with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, it's affecting things in the supernatural realm that in turn changes things back in this natural realm. Hallelujah. I just reminded right now, it just came to me. I remember Paul and Silas, Acts 16, in that Philippian jail. They've been beaten, put in a, in a prison. Maybe some of you are here and you're in a, an emotional prison or a health prison. I don't know, but here they are. Can you just see Paul and Silas sitting there? It's midnight. They're in this prison, in the inner, inner part of that prison. And all of a sudden, Paul gets the idea. So Silas says, what are we going to do now? I'm so glad that Paul didn't say, oh, gloom, despair, and agony, deep, dark, depression, excessive misery. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Why me, Lord? What did I ever do? Just one more day with Jesus. Help me, Lord. Is that what he said? No. He turns to Silas and says, I think we should sing some praises to God. Because singing brings the presence of God. And the Bible says when they began to sing, Paul began to take the lead and began to sing. Amen. He began to sing, how great is our God. Sing with me, Silas, how great is our God. And I can see Silas throwing in a little tenor part there. And the two of them are having a little duet. Uh, amen. In that prison house. And God loved it so much. God said, I think I'll sing the bass. Uh, and God shook that prison house. That's where you get jailhouse rock, friends. I promise you. Amen. In that prison house hallelujah and here's the thing about that story it said it doesn't say that just Paul and Silas's chains came loose it says everybody in that prison's house 
had their chains come loose. That's what happened in Bethel Sarnia just a few months ago when that young girl bound by demon spirits of depression and suicidal thoughts and she came into the service, amen, and she felt the presence of God and gave her heart to the Lord. And then a few weeks later, right in the worship of God, as people are singing praises, boo, here goes her ear, pops right open. Are you getting the revelation? When you do things in the natural realm, in spirit and in truth, with revelation, it's affecting things in the spirit realm. God says, I'm going to defeat your enemy. When I hear praises down here, when I hear the tambourine down here, when I hear the harp here, when I hear the drum beat here and the guitar, amen, strumming here, amen, I'm going to do some things up in the the spiritual realm that's going to bring victory. Victory in the natural realm. Hallelujah. The revelation of what praise and worship can do. Turn over to Zechariah. Just two more scripture verses. Zechariah. If you're having trouble finding Zechariah, go to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, and make a left. Zechariah chapter 14. I want to just give you one more revelation in this. Then we're going to pray. Two scriptures, one revelation. Then we're going to pray. Zechariah chapter 14, look at verse 16. Now, I'm not going to get into the eschatology of this. This means the end times. This is prophesying a time to come, but there's a spiritual truth here that I want us to see. It says in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 16, it shall come to pass that everyone who's left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem, this is prophesying a time that's about to come, They shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. Look at verse 17. It shall be that whichever the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, watch this, on them there'll be no rain. Verse 18. If a family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain. They shall receive the plague for which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Look at verse 17 one more time. It says, whoever will not come up to Jerusalem. Now again, this is a future time, but for us, in the spiritual principle, this is our Jerusalem right here. This is the house of God. For those who will not come up to the house of God to worship the Lord of hosts, notice it, it says, on them there'll be no rain. Everybody say this when they say, no worship. No rain. Say it again. No worship. No rain. If there's no worship in your life, there'll be no rain of the Holy Spirit in your life. Rain, the Bible says, rain is the product, I'm talking about spiritual rain, is the product of worship. What did Joel prophesy? He said, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh the early and the latter rains all together. He said, I'm going to pour out the rains of my spirit. So the amount of worship in your life is determining the amount of rain of the Holy Spirit that comes back into your life. If you don't have rain, how many know you're going to have famine? Rain is so important. Amen. Rain is essential for survival. If you don't have rain, you're not going to have a harvest. You're not going to have any fruit. You're not going to have any growth. Rain. I'm telling you, I know we have a lot of good music in our churches today, but I'm not so sure we have a lot of great worship. 
I know that's a big statement. But I don't see a lot of harvest sometimes. And I see a lot of famine. And I thank God, don't misunderstand me. I thank God that we've seen mercy drops. They're all around us. And we can point to the mercy drops of God. But how many know there's got to be greater showers of blessing that God wants to release? And I believe that worship is such a key. And it's not just playing the lick of a you know, guitar lick at the right moment and having everything just so perfect and professional. It's coming from a heart of sincerity, a heart of revelation, that as we are singing, we are bringing the presence of God as we clap our hands and lift our hands. We're saying we're in covenant with God and things are being affected in the spirit realm that's changing things in this natural realm. Even our nation can be changed. But no worship no rain. You want to have a revival in this church? It's going to be more than just good songs. You got to become a singing, worshiping, loving the presence of God congregation. I believe you are. But I just encourage you to press in all the more into it. Now, so I finish this. Where does rain come from? Do you know the Bible tells us where rain comes from? This is actually speaks to the the validity, the truth of the, of the word of God. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, one last scripture, to the book of Job. Job is believed to be the oldest book in the Old Testament. And Job gives us a revelation before there was ever a biology class or a science class, Job had the revelation of where rain comes from. Modern men only discovered this years later. They figured it out. Job already had the revelation. Look at Job 36. Job 36. Job 36, verse 26. Job says, Behold, God is great. We know him not, neither can the number of his years be searched out. Now watch this. This is where it comes. He makes small the drops of water. They pour down rain according to the vapor thereof, which the clouds do drop and distill upon man abundantly. Who can understand the spraying of the clouds or the noise of his tabernacle? Look at it again, verse 27. He makes small the drops of water. How many drops of water? That's rain. That pour upon man abundantly it's according to the vapor thereof. How does rain come? Well, it's not a mystery. We know. Job knew. The sun shines upon bodies of water. You don't see it with your eyes, but there are these invisible vapors of moisture that are going up in the atmosphere. Is that not right? And they're forming clouds in the sky. That moisture begins to condense, forming those clouds, and eventually, if there's enough that goes up, into the atmosphere, those clouds condense and form, and the clouds can't hold it anymore, and they begin to release that water back to the earth. True? But if nothing goes up, nothing's going to come down. Worship is those invisible vapors that are going up in the atmosphere. And they are forming spiritual clouds. And if enough praise and worship goes up, there is going to be a release 
of the glory and the presence and the reign of God that's going to come down. You see, when you were worshiping tonight, you may not have realized it, but you're getting the revelation now. Melissa, Pastor Melissa, when you were singing and you do it so well, God bless you. Amen. As she was singing, you didn't see it, but there was invisible vapors going up in the spiritual atmosphere. As she was playing this keyboard, you didn't see it, but there was vapors going up in the heavenly realms. When our brother was exhorting and praising God and playing the guitar, you didn't see it, but there was vapors going up in the atmosphere. When our brother over here, I believe it was a brother, amen, I couldn't quite see him from over there, but whoever was playing the drums, am I right, was it a brother? I didn't see him, amen, God bless you. I should have known with that goatee, amen, (laughs) hallelujah, but I couldn't see you from over there. But anyway, brother, when you were playing those drums, I encourage you, when you play those drums, don't just play it to keep a beat. You do it, and I believe you are with revelation understanding. As I'm playing these drums, I'm affecting things in the spirit realm. That's in turn uh, changing things in this natural realm. And as you're playing, you can't see it, but vapors are going up in the atmosphere and clouds are forming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, they're forming. And God says, if enough goes up, I'll release it back down to you in showers of blessing. Hallelujah. Can someone say hallelujah in this house? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So what does 2 Chronicles 7.14 say? If my people who are called by my name will do what? Hum- you know what humble means? It means to prostrate oneself in worship. It's another word for worship. When you worship, you're humbling yourself. When you worship, you're saying, God, you are greater than I. I surrender myself. I acknowledge your greatness. When you worship, it's a a humility. That's why a lot of people don't worship because they're full of pride. But, But when you humble yourself and you say, Jesus, I love you. I worship you. There's no one like you, Lord. You're all I need. You're all I want. As we were singing earlier, I love your presence. You're humbling yourself. The prophet said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, if they'll worship me, if they'll praise me, if they'll lift their hands, if they'll bring words with them, if they'll exalt me, amen, then, and, and turn from their wicked ways, then what? I will hear from heaven. Well, what do you hear from heaven? How about thunderclouds? How about showers? I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and what? I will heal, restore the land. That's the rain. That's the blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't you just lift your hands that the worship team can come in the presence of God here. Hallelujah. Bible says the hungry he will fill. The hungry he will fill. Hallelujah. 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 As they're getting ready to send some vapors up, can I just exhort you with this uh, finishing? I'm going to pray. The Bible tells us there's nine ways to praise God. Did you know this? Nine ways. Three of them are with your mouth. You can speak your praise. That's where the prophet said, bring words with you. Amen, we're doing that already. Thank you, Jesus, I worship you. Speak your praise. The next thing you can do with your mouth is sing your praise. 
Amen. I love, I love, I love your presence. How great is our God. You sing praise. The third thing you can do with your mouth is you can shout your praise. Do I have any shouters in this house here? Amen. Uh, you're not making me a believer. Do I have any shouters? <laughs> Hallelujah. Shout your praise. Three are done with your hands. You can lift your hands in the presence of God. The Bible says lift your hands without wrath or doubting. It's a sign of covenant. Things change in the spirit realm when you lift your hands with revelation in spirit and in truth. Amen. You can clap your hands. The Bible says, oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Why don't we do that right now for a moment? Why don't we just give a clap offering to the Lord? Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. We clap our hands to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then one more thing you do with your hands, you can play musical instruments with your hands before the Lord. And then three are with your whole body. Amen. You can bow before the Lord. The Bible talks about it. You can lay prostrate before the Lord. And then this last one's for the radicals. Amen. You can dance before the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't have any dancers in the house tonight. Amen. You can dance before the Lord. Now I end with this. There's a man, a pastor named Joseph Garlington. He gave us this revelation. I just want to say it. He wrote this. The people say, it's just a simple song. But God says, our song is a symphony of praise unto him and a weapon of destruction against the enemy. The people say, it's just clapping your hands. But God says in the heavenly realm, it's not just a clap, but a thunderclap bringing fear and terror to the enemy. The people say, oh, that dancing and stomping your feet, that's just a silly thing. But God says the stomping of the feet shakes the very foundations of hell, creating large cracks in it. The people say, the waving of the hands and lifting your hands is just a silly thing. But God says the waving of the hands is a signal to the enemy of his imminent defeat and a wave offering of praise unto our God. Would you stand with me all over this house tonight? Hallelujah. And begin to bring some words with you. Amen. As Pastor Melissa begins to lift up praise, can we send some vapors up? Hallelujah. Can we begin to lift our hands and wave our hands? Amen. Not because it's just a thing to do, but because we've got the revelation. Hallelujah. We're going to affect some change tonight. We're going to see some miracles tonight. We're going to see some healings tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. You know, we were driving to Stratford. I was saying to the gentlemen that were with me, and all around this area, St. Mary's, Stratford, down over around Ingersoll, there are some deep wells of revival deep wells, major moves of God. Someone was birthed in this area that brought about a major move of God. And I bless this house tonight. This is a great house. 
I, I affirm your love for the presence of God. I bless all these young people. I could sense the call of God on so many of their lives. Every one of them has a call to God. I could feel it on so many of them. Amen. Pastor Chad and Melissa, you got everything you need right now in this house. Everything you need is in this house right now for a major move of God. For a new well to be redug or an old well to be redug, but a refreshing. Hallelujah. All I can say is never lose your hunger. Never lose your hunger. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Amen. And receive this revelation of worship tonight. Hallelujah. And watch for divine interruptions in your services. Make room for the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Pastor Chad, you're going to get ready. Amen. I know you are. But there's going to be movements. Even I don't know what all happened this morning, but it's going to increase as you worship God. The Holy Spirit is going to want to do some special things. Hallelujah. And I would also say celebrate every miracle, even if it seems like small. There's nothing small to God, nothing big for God either. Because it's indicators of what he wants to do in greater measure. In greater measure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you so glad for the faithfulness of God? The goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Father, we just thank you for your presence. Father, from the word this morning that what we sow, we will reap. To Father, to have the revelation tonight as we sow worship, as we worship you, it will ascend to heaven and you will send the rain. And Father, we just come into a place of new revelation and new understanding of how to come into this house, Father, with a heart of worship. To Father, to seek your heart, to seek who you are, to worship you as a father. Lord, help this not to be a moment of worship, but Father, stir up into us the lifestyle of worship. That Father, next Sunday, we don't even need to remind people, to prod them, to say, remember what we learned. But Father, we begin to worship you tomorrow morning. Our Father, as we drive home tonight, we worship you. Father, as tomorrow comes and as Tuesday comes, we worship you. Because, Father, when we walk in your spirit, when we walk in your presence, where your presence is, there is freedom. And so, Lord, we can take that freedom into other places. And we can shift the atmosphere of where we walk because of your presence in our lives. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that just in this moment now, you stir up the spirit people inside of us, Father, to walk into our workplaces and shift our workplaces. To walk back home even now, Lord. And as we walk in through our doors, the atmosphere in our homes change. And that Holy Spirit, you continue just to pull on our hearts to keep us in step with you. Because we want to see you move. So Holy Spirit, keep giving us fresh revelation to understand who you are and empower us 
to bring change. But start in us. Start in me, Lord. Start in me. And draw us closer. Father, we thank you for Pastor Tim and the anointing on his life. We thank you for what you have done, but as he eagerly said, looking forward to what you're going to do in the name of Jesus Christ at Bethel and Sarnia. Lord, continue to stir up the gifts in Pastor Tim and give him the fresh revelation to come and to share your word, to draw people into your presence with a new understanding of who you are. Bless him and his family, Father. Draw them even closer together and protect them, Lord God. We, Father, we just thank you for the anointing on his life and his willingness to come and to share with us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we just thank Pastor Tim?